Welcome to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. As a community of faith, we are passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus. The message for this week is from our current verse-by-verse study from the book of James. In each message, we will see some practical truths for living God's way in situations and circumstances that are often out of our control. As always, we would love to have you join us for a Sunday service sometime here soon in Vancouver. You can find directions, more info, and more sermons on our website at citybaptist.ca. But uh, I'm glad that you're here this morning as we talk about a subject that uh, often we just don't want to talk about. Today's title is Controlling the Tongue. Isn't that a blessing? Controlling the Tongue today. And uh, in James chapter number three. And so, you know, the book of James has been a very interesting book. Of course, it's uh, dealing primarily with the outward expressions of, uh, of our lives and how our faith is to be something that's lived out and uh, something that is to be visible to those um, all around us. And that's really been uh, James' real focus here is to uh, show us or to show essentially others that our faith is real in the outward way that we express our faith. Now, so far in our study, uh, we've seen in chapter number one, he talked about how we are to be people who are patient in trouble. And uh, that was a lesson I certainly needed to learn and how to be patient in difficult times. And, and then in chapter number two, really the focus of it was uh, just being a person who puts into practice the truth, practices out the truth. Well, now in chapter number three, he talks about how we can have power over our tongues. And James here directly connects uh, the uh, Christian's ability to control their words, and he connects it to how you'll be able then to control your body in other situations. Look at verse number one and two. He says, my brethren, be not many masters, and we covered this uh, last week uh, for our Father's Day message, but he says, be not many masters, that's teachers, uh, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Again, the focus of that is all about recognizing the responsibility that each of us have and the power that we have in our words and the way that we communicate to other people. But in verse number two, he says, and kind of put it into perspective for in many things we offend all in essence we have a responsibility but we got to remember that we are also human and we do sin and we fall short of God's glory in that way but now he says here in the second part of the verse he says if any man offend not in what's that word word okay good word good you got it if any man offend not in word the same is a perfect man. That means a, uh, a mature believer, someone who's mature in their faith. So if you offend not, so you don't offend anybody through your words, then you are a very mature believer and able also then to bridle the whole body. What he is saying here is he's connecting. If you are a Christian who's mature enough to control your voice, control the words that come out of your mouth, then you have everything you need to bridle or bring under control every other aspect of your body as well. Now he's trying to get us to understand that there's a direct connection between controlling our tongue and our ability to control our body. Now we might argue that though, right? We would see that and say, well, I don't know. Uh, You know, isn't it about the heart, right? The heart is the seed of our emotions. It's who we are, as Scripture tells us. So uh, isn't it about the heart and we need to control our hearts and guard our hearts? And yes, those are all... Uh, uh, essential aspects of the Christian life, and I I would definitely agree with that, but the mouth only responds to what is already in the heart. The mouth only responds to what is already in the heart, and your speech, the way that you talk, is a reflection of what's going on inside of you. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He said that a good man 
out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is what good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil for of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh now i remember going to the doctor as a kid how many of you remember going to the doctor as a kid what a terrifying experience that was you know and and uh, maybe not maybe your doctor was nice my doctor was really great but one of the first things that would happen when I was a child and I was sick for some reason, by the way, in a family of six kids, it was rare if you got taken to the doctor, just so you know. Uh, they're like, well, let's just see what happens, you know, and because uh, we got a lot going on. And so uh, they would take me to the doctor, though, and if I was sick, and one of the first things that we would do when I would go in there is my doctor would come in, and I still have the same doctor today as my childhood doctor. Isn't that great? And I say, doctor, you know, I hurt my knee. No, I come in, and I remember being a child there, but he comes in, one of the first things he would do if I had the flu or I was sick or something, he would come in and he would grab this big piece of wood it seemed big to me on the side of the of the wall they're out of this little dispenser this of course to me it seemed big now that I look at it, it's only about this big you know what I'm talking about it's a piece of wood looks like something you'd ice cream with you know and and uh, he would come to me and he'd say all right stick out your tongue right anyone else am I the only one in the world had that okay you remember all right good okay my doctor you know you never want to find out things about your doctor but anyway he would say stick out your tongue and and he'd push down on it and he'd look to see and he would check my throat and and he would look at my tongue sometimes. When I was a kid, if I was sick, my mom would often grab a thermometer and praise the Lord. She would say, let's put this under your tongue, right? <laughs> Instead of some other convenient places, you know, and she'd put it under to check my temperature because when you're sick, the tongue, that area in your mouth uh, reveals your temperature. Well, in the same way, your tongue reveals your spiritual temperature, reveals what's going on in the heart and your maturity can be measured by the control of your tongue if you cannot control your words then there's a spiritual issue if you can control your words James is saying here then you are a person of spiritual maturity and you will be able to experience victory in all other areas of life that come your way sinful temptations or appetites or passions that come along you will be a person who's in control now it's always easier said than done I feel like I say that a lot when we read the Bible right well that's easier said than done isn't it James well James recognizes that and and he recognizes the challenge that we all face in controlling our speech he also recognizes this and I think this is key he recognizes the fact that in all of us there is a uh, innate desire to pretend like everything's okay right there's an innate desire uh, to pretend that we do have control over our words. And so James here takes the time to emphasize the challenge of controlling our words. And then he also then, uh, by default, I guess, reveals to us our great need of God. And so let's look, get into our first point here this morning. So point number one, James brings up the fact that the tongue is powerful. The tongue is powerful. Look at verse number three through verse number five, the first part of verse five. He says, behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, or that's a rudder, whithersoever the governor listeth, wherever the guy decides he wants to go. And then he says this in verse number five, even so, the tongue is a little member, is what he says. The tongue is small, and though, even though it's small, it boasteth great things. Now this, I think, is probably as clear of an illustration as you could pick out to illustrate the power of the tongue. First of all, he talks about the horse. Now our kids yesterday, the Kid City, got to go, I thought this was so convenient, they got to go to a horse 
farm or area over there in the west side and they even got to go and meet uh, Miss Stephanie's horse and what is your horse's name? Magellan. Well, that's a good horse's name. Wow, Magellan. All right. We should have named one of our kids Magellan. Uh, uh, But they got to go and meet Magellan. This is not Magellan. This is from uh, Google. So uh, just so you know, this is a horse. We call him Google. And um, and so uh, they got to go and see the horses. But one of the things about a horse we understand is that to control a horse is they put a bit and a bridle uh, to be able to control a horse. Now, horses are amazingly powerful animals, aren't they? I'm always nervous around horses, which then makes the horse nervous. So I don't ride a lot of horses. But uh, you got to think about it. You could take a guy like me, and I have been horseback riding. I love it. It is fun. But you take a guy like me who weighs well over 200 pounds, as you would imagine. And I've gotten on a horse before, and I, I always think to myself, you poor animal, you know, as I, as I climb into the saddle. But the horse is just sort of like, all right, where are we going? I mean, I, I'm over 250 pounds is what I weigh, and uh, over that, by the way. And, uh, and the horse is like, that's no big deal. And they'll go, and they'll ride, and we'll ride all over the place. Now, if you take me off of that horse, a horse without a, a rider, without any weight on it, they can run a quarter mile in uh, about 25 seconds at speeds of up to 80 kilometers an hour. Now, think about that for a moment. 80 kilometers an hour, a horse without any control, it can pull massive amounts of weight. It can carry easily a 400-pound rider. Thankfully, I'm not at that point. Uh, but if you put a bridle and a bit in that same horse's mouth, a 100-pound woman can make that horse dance and do whatever she wants, all because of that bit that's in that horse. James also used the example of great ships. Now, here in Vancouver, we understand that. Here's a cruise ship leaving port in Vancouver. Now, I've never been on a cruise ship. I hear they're like little cities, floating cities. I hear they're amazing, and they are massive. When I've been down there and seen them, I'm like, this is just incredible. But yet, a massive ship like this, and James uses the example of a ship. Now, in those days, they would have had pretty large ships, nothing like this, of course. We do know that the Apostle Paul was on a ship that had 275 passengers, so that's uh, 276, sorry. So that's a significant uh, ship size. But the point remains that a massive ship like this is controlled by a rudder that is typically between only 2 and 5% of the entire size of the ship. Just a very small amount, and yet it is completely controlled. I did a little uh, watching on YouTube this week of, uh, of cruise ship maneuvers. So just take some time maybe this week and look it up. It's amazing. Some of the ports, you know, in Mexico and down below where they have to squeeze through this little area and they spin that thing around and just put it perfectly at dock. It's amazing. And you got to think it's one dude up in the very top with a little control and he's controlling that massive, massive ship. A commentator said this, the human tongue is physically small, but what tremendous effects it can boast of. Another pastor put it in this way. I thought this was a great way to illustrate it. He said, this mere two-ounce slab of mucous membrane, that's how he described it, this small thing can legitimately boast of its disproportionate power to determine human destiny, just in this small way. And I was thinking of a way to illustrate it and He used the same illustration that I came up with, but if you were to consider these two men up here, Adolf Hitler on the right and Churchill on the left, you got to think about Adolf Hitler and the the way that he was able to influence people. On one side of the channel there, he gathered a vast multitude. He killed millions of people. He influenced people to kill other people. And he changed the world's landscape with his, what was described as a hypnotic cadence, the way that he could talk. And the thousands of crowds that would come to hear him speak hate and spew out just terrible things to uh, lead a people to, uh, uh, to take over other countries and, and murder. On the other side, the Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, 
He had brilliant, very measured times of speaking where he pulled a honestly faltering nation together for its very finest hour, for its very finest hour. Now, I think you understand today that we don't have to look to history to understand the truth of James' lives here, because uh, James' words, because in all of our lives, we understand the truth, don't we? In all of our lives, we have evidence of the power of the tongue. There's memories, very vivid memories that we can go to of great hurt that came to our lives. We can go to memories where we ourselves pridefully boasted inappropriately, <laughs> and then later on, we're found out that it was just a false boast. There's been times where we have told lies and been found out. There are times where we've been lied to and, again, hurt deeply. Times where words have done great damage to our lives. And while we could tell stories of how words have hurt us over and over and over again, and we can look at history and see the very power of words that are spoken, we so easily forget the power of words. We forget the power of our own tongues. James is saying here, never forget. Don't ever become disillusioned or underestimate the power of your tongue. And the reason for that is because, number two this morning, the tongue is destructive. The tongue is destructive. We're going to continue now in verse number five. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. He says, what a great matter a little fire kindleth. Again, he's using an illustration. The word matter translated means uh, forest. In its original language, it means fuel. It means forest. Now here in British Columbia, we can totally relate to the idea of forest fires, can't we? Man, the last couple of years, it's been amazing to see as thousands of hectares of forest is destroyed every single year. And often when you hear about the devastation and you see places where have just been obliterated by fire, oftentimes they trace it back to a single moment. One small campfire that wasn't put out all of the way. And a wind came and blew some embers. Someone throwing a cigarette out of their window driving along a backcountry road. Even as much as an ATV driving and the hot tail, uh, tailpipe on an ATV triggering fire in some grass as someone is just driving through uh, driving through the countryside, a lightning strike, wh whatever it may be, they are always related to something small that then creates a lot of devastation. In 2017, we had a record year in our province for forest fires. It destroyed uh, more, uh, more kilometers, square kilometers of forest than ever before in recorded history. Almost 12,000 kilometers, 12,000 square kilometers uh, were destroyed in fi forest fires last year. Uh, in 2017. 2018 was even worse. We broke another record. Over 13,500 square kilometers were destroyed by forest fires. 5,000 people were evacuated from their homes. 22,000 people were put on alert. The most famous fire last year was the Shovel Lake Fire up between Burns Lake and Prince George up in northern British Columbia. And uh, the fire at, at one time was uh, the size of 910 square kilometers. That is eight of the city of Vancouver. Eight cities of Vancouver burning at one time. That was the Burns, or the Shovel Lake fire up there near Burns Lake. But whenever there's a forest fire, I mean, it's terrible. Homes are destroyed, right? And lives are lost and communities are suffering all because of a small flame. And that's why today, pretty much the campfire bans kick in right away. Uh, they're very, very careful about all those and all of the campgrounds around 
Vancouver just because of the absolute destruction that can come from a forest fire. This is the picture that James is trying to get across to us. Because our tongue, when it is uncontrolled, when it is uh, alive in its sinfulness, has the power to destroy, but not only destroy, has the power to start a fire that, if it's not controlled, can turn your words into the destruction of a roaring forest fire. That's why in verse number six, he said, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. It defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. The idea of here setting on fire the course of nature, it talks about how our tongue has a ripple effect. The way that we speak to people has a ripple effect. Now, I heard a story about a, a businessman who was out for lunch one day, and, and uh, he, he was out getting his lunch, and he had a nice sports car. His, he was the owner of the company, and he did quite well for himself. And while he was out uh, getting his lunch, but when he came back to the office, he was pulled over for going uh, a few kilometers over the speed limit, and he was given a, a ticket. Well, of course, that sort of angered him. And have you ever had a, a ticket before? You've ever been towed? You know how much that just sort of gets at you? You know, because it's money that I did not want to spend. And, uh, and so that's how he was when he came back to the office. Well, he came back to the office, and he was a little bit upset, and he was angry. And so he came in, and, and whenever the boss is angry, watch out, right? And he came in, and sure enough, he was like, why isn't everything going as I should? What's going on? So he goes to his head of sales, and he goes after him and says, hey, what happened to the Anderson account? I told you this morning I needed this thing taken care of. I needed it wrapped up. This is, this is what I need you to do. To which the sales manager replied, I, I'm just sorry. I haven't got a hold of him. I haven't been able to close the deal yet. And so that owner just sort of ripped him, just started going after him. And, uh, and it threatened to fire him and just, I mean, totally, totally out of, out of line. Well, that, of course, angered the sales manager, right? And the sales manager got upset. And how dare he say that to me? I've been here 10 years and I've done all of these things. And so he goes to his office manager and he says, did you send out those letters that I told, those emails I told you to send out today? Uh, did you send those out? I told you this morning, those five emails that got to go out, these clients. And she said, no, I'm sorry. I haven't had a chance to do it yet. And he just started going off on her, just yelling at her. How, I mean, I, you know, you've, you've only been here a few years. You know, what do you think you can just, you know, get away with not doing what I tell you to do? I'm still over you. You're, you work for me. You're my assistant. I need you to take care of what I tell you to get done. And, uh, I mean, just went after her, and, and it, it sort of frustrated her a little bit. And she got a little bit angry, and so she got up, and she went out to where the receptionist was at the front of the room there. And the receptionist, you know, she's just filing her nails. I mean, that's what you do, right? That's a job. I'm just joking. She's sitting there, and. And she proceeds to say, hey, listen, you know, what are you doing? You can't just sit here, you know, and file your nails. And, uh, you know, this is a, I know this is a, a low-paying job, but listen, I need, your, I need you to be responsible, and I need you to help us out, and, and uh, I need you to make these calls, and did you do what I told you to do earlier today? And she just went after that, uh, that receptionist who was there at the front of the office, and she said, I'm sorry, I haven't got to it yet, and, and had some excuses. Well, she threatened to fire her. And she said, well, you can't fire me, I work. And, and they went back and forth. Well, it really frustrated that that receptionist, of course, and it bugged her all the way home. She went home from work, man. It just bugged her. You ever had a day like that? You know, I can't believe they said that to me. And while she got home, she walked in and, and there was her son was sitting on the floor watching TV, just been home from school for a little bit. And she noticed that he had a rip in his pants, which happens all the time to us. But uh, for whatever reason, she was frustrated and it angered her. And so she started just going after her son. She sent him to his room no TV, you know, you don't respect anything that we buy for you. No TV, I'm not even gonna let you have dinner tonight. You go to your room and you stay in your room and I'll see you in the morning. Well, that kind of angered her son a little bit, obviously. And he's frustrated and he's walking and then the family cat walked in front of him. A big mistake. 
And that little boy, as he'd been banned from dinner and from TV, just booted that cat <laughs> and sent that cat flying. Let me ask you a question. Wouldn't it have been better if the owner of the company had just gone to his receptionist's house and kicked their cat? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of leaving that whole trail <laughs> of destruction in his way. He should, now, I'm not condoning kicking cats, okay? Please don't misunderstand me, all right? I don't need any emails about this, okay? Cats are kind. It's a story. It's not true, all right? It's an illustrative story. But wouldn't it have been better if he had just gone right? Well, actually, wouldn't it have been better if he had just learned to control his tongue? And it affected everyone. That's just an illustration of how... The tongue, as it says here in the verse, set us on fire the course of nature. It's a continuing thing. And that word, that sharp word, that thing that you say that you think is just in a moment or it's going to stay in the moment, it has long-term effects. It can corrupt uh, you yourself, but it can also start uh, problems. That's why he talks about it and refers to it as set on fire of hell. It represents hell. It is evil. It does not represent God and his word. And then James continues with his illustration. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You know, our words can be like poison, can't they? They bring death to a relationship. They bring sickness to the heart of a friend, all because we do not tame our tongue. I really don't think it's possible to miss the power of James' illustrations, is it? He's very, very clear. Very, very good at illustrating to us the point that he's trying to get across. But the interesting thing about James is that while he gives us all of these illustrations, he doesn't get very specific in the application side of it. He's not real specific to us as believers. And of course, we know he is writing to believers. And so I believe the reason is, is because whenever the word of God is illustrated in a very clear way, the Holy Spirit is the one that always does the application. Don't you find that? It's amazing that when you'll be sitting in a church service or you'll be reading your Bible and it'll be illustrated to you scripture that the Holy Spirit begins to do a work inside of you and begins to illuminate and show you areas that you need to change. But I want to take a second and help with that. Is that okay? I want to talk about a few things real quickly where our words can get out of control and can be very, very, very destructive. I think obviously the first thing that we would say would be in the area of gossip, right? gossip. Gossip leads the way when it comes to hurtful words. I heard a story about another doctor who was in, uh, in the Midwest United States, and he was the victim of a disgruntled patient. I don't know what he did, uh, but they got disgruntled over what he said. And so this person, this patient of him, and it was a smaller town, uh, did everything that she could to ruin him professionally through spreading rumors. She created all sorts of scenarios and accusations of things that he had done, and he, she almost ruined his uh, his reputation completely. Well, several years later, that gossiper, uh, the heart got a hold of, uh, God got a hold of their heart, and uh, they wrote the doctor, and they asked him for his forgiveness for all of those rumors, and of course, he forgave her, but there was no way to erase the stories that she had spread. If he just denied it and said, no, I never did that, it just brings about more suspicion, right, if someone is just always denying something. But from that point on, the story is told that that doctor, though he was innocent, Every day when he would meet with his patients and every day he would meet with people, he always in the back of his mind was wondering if they had heard the story and if they believed it about him. It had long-term 
damage. Now, gossip often veils itself in acceptable, uh, uh, acceptable terms, such as, have you heard, <laughs> right? Not saying, I got some gossip for you, you know, but these nice terms, did you know, or they tell me, or uh, keep this to yourself, but, right? Or I don't really believe it's true, but I heard it, mm. or uh, I, 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 I wouldn't tell you, except I know that you won't tell anybody, so I got I to gotta tell you about this, right? Of course, in the church, it's rationalized in this way. I, I want to share something with you because I just, I really need you to pray. I need you to pray with me about this thing that I heard about so-and-so, right? And it's so pious, of course. But I want you to remember that those side <laughs> comments that we make, those maybe something told to us in confidence that we share and even change the details to a little bit, leaves a flame of destruction in its wake. So much heartache can come from the tongue and from gossip. Another aspect is, is, is really a little bit more subtle. It's kind of like the distant cousin or the close cousin to gossip, and that is innuendo. Do you understand that term by innuendo? I heard, a, <laughs> I heard another, uh, I mean, I heard a lot of stories this week. Did you get that? Yeah, I heard a few stories. But there was a ship, and uh, on that, the first mate on this ship, he was constantly getting drunk, and it kind of ticked off the, it kind of ticked off the captain a little bit. And so, in the captain's log one day, he wrote, first mate, drunk. That's all he wrote, <laughs> to slander his character. And he just wrote, first mate, drunk, today's date. Well, the first mate saw it, you know, he had access to it, and so he just tried to figure out a way to get back at his captain. And so, in a few days later, he wrote in the, in the log himself, the first mate, and he wrote, Captain Sober. Now think about the innuendo there. Did you get it? <laughs> no? <laughs> Captain is sober. What is the innuendo? It's a first. <laughs> it's only one time that he's actually sober. All the other times he's, he's out of control as well. And he got back of him in that way. And so we got to be aware about innuendo. Sometimes it's a word that we don't say to defend someone. Sometimes it's an awkward silence. Sometimes it's uh, just raising our eyebrows or a, a, a certain look that we give, but all of those come with destruction. Of course, a flattery falls into that as well. Our words, sometimes we falsely flatter people for whatever reason. I don't know why, but we flatter, but it also can lead, lead to destruction as well. Criticism. Criticism takes many forms, but somebody once said that criticism is always motivated by self-doubt and jealousy. When we criticize somebody else, what are we doing? It's because we're insecure in our, own, in our own right, and we put them down to make us feel better. It reminds me of Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20, when it comes to the words that we say. It says, where no, fire, or where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning uh, coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. So much hurt could be eliminated if there was no talebearer, <laughs> if there was, no, there was not a person spreading the rumor. So much can be avoided if we would control our tongues, turn to Christ rather than to others for approval. And so the tongue is very powerful. The tongue is very destructive. But then James says this, that the tongue is revealing. The tongue is very revealing. Look at verse number nine. He says, therewith, we, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude. That means the resemblance of God. 
So people who are made in the image of God, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing my brethren. Say this with me. These things ought not so to be. You can do better than that. These things ought not so to be. These aspects of uh, blessing and cursing should not be a part of the Christian's life. Now, James here illustrates the dichotomy, the, 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 the resistance or the opposite of, of, how, of how we talk. Notice what he says here. Where we can stand and we can sing praises to God, right? What a beautiful name it is, right? Nothing compares. Yeah, right? <laughs> and we sing praises and then, uh, and then we read a verse and, oh, yeah, you know, our God is our Savior. And we, we sing to Him and we, we celebrate and we say amen and we, we worship the Lord together. But then we curse other believers who are created in the image of God. You say, what does he mean by curse? Not, I'm not talking vulgarity or of, of swearing. I'm talking about the idea of wishing evil upon someone else. That's what the word means, to wish evil upon somebody. We lift up prayers of confession, and two minutes later, we're in the car, and we're fighting with our spouse. <laughs> we're yelling at our children. Again, what is he doing here? He's getting to the revealing nature of our hearts, isn't he? He's getting to the revealing nature because it is a reflection of what's inside. He continues in verse 11 and 12, Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. See, both the stream and both the fig tree give evidence to their source. If it's a mountain-fed spring uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a runoff from the, from the snow there, it's going to be fresh water. If it's a spring that's fed from the ocean, it's going to be salty. It's not going to be that great. A fig tree bears figs because it is a fig tree. It doesn't have these olive uh, berries that he's talking about here. See, our heart is the source of our words. And so if we're a kind of person who struggles with responding, to, uh, responding with grace, if we are prone to tear others down, if we're prone to question other people's motives, or we respond sharply and harshly to our children and our spouse, uh, if we try to dominate conversations with intimidation, or if we try to prove our worth by saying extreme and, and, uh, and just out there, uh, uh, out there statements about ourselves and having overbe uh, overbearing opinions and, and talking other people down, all it is is revealing what is in the heart already. It's revealing what is in the heart already. And, and by the way, I'd say this. It's not just the things that we say vocally. It's in our heart, right? You ever thought, man, right, about someone? Okay, well, that thought that you're saying, and you might not say it out loud because it's, it would be inappropriate in the situation. You may not say it out loud, but you're, you're, listen, that's still a reflection of the heart, what you're thinking about that person. You're cursing that person. You're wishing ill will upon them. It reveals what is in our heart. Now, James here is painting for us a very grim picture, isn't he? <laughs> a very grim picture. His warning to us is loud, and it is very clear. The dangers, the risks associated with our tongue, the words that we say. And he tells us that it's powerful. He tells us that it is destructive. He also shows us how it reveals who we truly are in the inside. But I want to end today... Point number four, that the tongue can be controlled. The tongue can be controlled. Now, left to ourselves, we cannot tame the tongue. Did you notice how he said that there? No man can tame it. No man can tame the tongue. It's impossible. We can tame snakes, and we can tame horses, and we can tame uh, lions and all these other animals, he said there earlier in the verse. 
But he says, no man can tame the tongue, and we cannot in our own tame our tongue. But thank the Lord, (laughs) we know that God has not left us to ourselves. And God has given us his word to guide us. He's given his spirit to indwell us and direct us. So what does the word of God and what does the indwelling spirit tell us to do about our tongues then? If, if, if we are to make changes or if we're to see things happen, what does the word of God say? What are some principles that we see in scripture? And I want to share these with you just in closing this morning. The first thing that's, that the Bible tells us, it's really a principle that scripture gives to us, is that we should repent. If the tongue's going to be controlled, first of all, you need to repent. You say, repent of what? Okay, repentance is what? A turn in direction, right? 180 degree turn in direction. You were going one way, now you're going the other way. When it comes to our sin, we repent of that and we say, Lord, forgive us of our sin and we're going to head in this opposite direction. We're going to repent of it. We're going to leave it behind. And so that's what we should do as Christians is we should repent of all of our inappropriate speech. (laughs) Remember what James said in verse number two, we all stumble in many things, right? That's an open admission that all of us can agree with that we sin in this way. And we have a lot to repent of. And sinful speech and talking, our tongue, of course, it's very serious. But repentance brings God's forgiveness to us. And it washes away our sins, as Scripture tells us, as far as the east is from the west. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what I love about our God is that while you may have had problems and you may be dealing with a situation right now caused by your speech, you can always repent and you can turn to Jesus Christ for forgiveness and he will wash that away and it'll be like it never happened. I love that principle of east from the west. You can go east as long as you want, and you will always be going east, right? You'll always be going east in the same way. And that's how far our sins are separated from us when we confess and we repent of our sins. And so God says, I need you to repent of your sin of improper use of your tongue and your speech to me. But I would also say that as Christians, it may be that some of you need to repent to some people here on this earth, And while we get right with the Lord, oftentimes the requirement that God has for us or God leads us is to maybe go to the people that we have hurt with our words and repent to them as well. Maybe your family, maybe some of you dads need to go to your kids and repent of the way that you've spoken to your mom in front of them, their mom, or the way that you've spoken maybe to them. Maybe some of you parents need to repent collectively to your children, repent to one another to make things right. It may be your church family. It may be Uh, uh, someone here in this room even that you've uh, hurt with your words and you know it and even you're saying they deserve it (laughs) they they, you know they deserve it listen they didn't deserve it from you right leave it up to the Lord (laughs) to take care of those things and maybe you need to make some things right with someone maybe someone at your workplace a co-worker whatever it is we need to repent and that will help us there's nothing better than a clean heart before God Nothing better than a clean heart before God. And there's been so many times in my life and I'm just frustrated, like, what's happening? And then I get right with the Lord. I'm like, okay, that's what it was. <laughs> I had sin between me and the Lord. So if we're going to control it, we need to, first of all, repent. And then secondly, I'd encourage you to simply count the cost. Count the cost. We must make it our daily desire to think long and hard about the terrible cost attached to sinful words. And you guys understand, I'm not just talking about (laughs) saying a swear word. I'm talking about the way that we use the power of our words that has been given to us by God. 
Count the cost. Think about it. The, the great phrase, think before you speak, right? But that's not just in the moment because often in the heat of the moment, that's the last thing that happens. We're thinking and we're speaking and we're thinking about what we're going to say next. We're not thinking about stop it, stop it, stop it. We're just going after it. We're all guilty of this. And so count the cost though. Count the cost in your own life of broken relationships, of, your, of the cost in your church family. Churches have been very hurt and damaged greatly by improper words, by slander, by gossip, by questioning others' motives, uh, by questioning uh, um, and, and, and just causing innuendo within a church family. So much damage has been done. Count the cost in your children. And like David, determine to set a seal before your lips. Psalm 39.1 says, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle. Same idea with a horse, keeping it while the wicked is yet or is before me. We've got to ask God each day to help us seal our mouths so that nothing unwholesome or sinful comes through it. And we must ask the Lord to help us keep that and to be resolved knowing that certainly we'll never be able to keep it apart from his help. We need God's help. We need his help to control our speech. As well, I would encourage you to speak good. Make that a focus of your life, speaking good. Make it your business to... Not get in other people's business, but make it your business to speak good things to others. The more that our mouths are filled with praise to God and good and kind and encouraging words uh, regarding other people, the less space there's going to be in your life for fiery, poisonous talk. It's the idea of what are you filled up with, right? (laughs) What are you filled up with? We've used the illustration before. Whatever you're filled with when you're shaken, that's what's going to pour out. And if you're filled up with sin and wrong thoughts and wrong speech, when you're shaken, when there's a difficulty, that's what's going to pour out of you. In the same way, if you're filled with praise and your life and your heart is filled with, with good thoughts towards others, those good things will come. But plan to speak good things. Write notes of encouragement. Parents, build up your children intentionally in the way that you speak to them. Be kind. Encourage them. Not over-the-top flattery that, uh, that, that, that makes them think they're better than everybody else. Okay, <laughs> Find that fine line. You're the best kid ever. And then he goes to school and you know, tells his teacher that. No, you got to listen. Encourage them. Build them up in the Lord. Uh, but understand, again, the power. Not only is there great power of destruction, but there's great power of building others up as well. And then I'd encourage you simply to look to the Lord. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our example in all things, isn't he? We know how hard it is to control our tongues, and it's amazing that the Lord controlled his and never spoke a wrong word, as Scripture says. Never spoke a wrong word. And the reason was is because of his perfect obedience to God. And that brings me to kind of an amazing last thought for us all. And that is, in Christ, we also can resist (laughs) this wrong speech. In Christ, we can have control over our tongues. In Christ, because of who he is and because of what he's done, and because of the strength of the Holy Spirit that is given to us, we can live differently than we have been. I don't think there's any more passage in Scripture that's so graphically, <laughs> that is so graphically relentless in making a point. <laughs> I mean, for almost 12 straight verses, it's just illustration after illustration after illustration about the harmfulness of our speech about and challenging us to think about it. And to me, what that tells me is not that, man, that those those scattered believers were the worst. (laughs) That's not what we learn, although it teaches us that they had some issues with this. But the fact that he is so relentless over it 
for these verses just countlessly giving us illustration after illustration after illustration is because it's the Holy Spirit trying to teach us to control the tongue. That's what it is. It's not just him pointing out those few believers that were scattered abroad having trouble. The fact that it's hit so many times and emphasized so much is because it's for us today, 2,000 years later. (laughs) Because the same principles apply. The same difficulties apply. The same troubles are there. Reminds me, Galatians 2, verse 20, and the encouragement that we see here. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And I love this. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are crucified with Christ. That old man is crucified with him. And in Christ, we are new creations. And in Christ, we don't have to live and speak in our flesh no longer. We can live and we can speak in the power of Jesus Christ himself. But we have to give the Holy Spirit power. We have to give the Holy Spirit free course in our lives. And we have to turn to God. And we have to go after, uh, uh, we have to uh, pursue him. And we have to have mindful moments of remembering to speak good. And, and, and mindful times of looking to God. And m- maybe even every single day saying, Lord, would you seal my lips? Would you guard the door of my heart? Would you help me, Lord, to say and do the right things? There are irritating people in this world, aren't there? <laughs> There's difficulty all around. You say, I live with one. No, <laughs> you might say that. I don't. I don't live with one. I live with eight. No, I mean, how many people? I'm just joking. But you know what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying. That went off really poorly. I'm sorry. That did not sound good. But we have difficulty all around us, and we've got to be on guard if we're going to keep the door of our lips, as Scripture says. And James here says, listen, it's a fire. It's a problem. It causes danger. There's, it's not just one moment. It, it, it burns, and it grows, and it develops. Be very careful about the power of your words. And let's trust God to help us say and do the right thing. We hope today's message was an encouragement in your relationship with Christ. To stay connected with us, you can like us on Facebook or give us a follow on Instagram at Ben City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will uniquely bless and grow you as